Hi and welcome to Prayer House Online. We're so thrilled to be connecting with you here today. Whether it's your first time here or you've been here before, a special, special welcome to you. It's great to have you with us um, for our online episode today. My name is Fortunatus and I'm part of the team here at Prayer House in Weymouth. And it's a privilege for me to be connecting with you online. Over the last few weeks, we have been looking at the early church in the book of Acts their culture and what they were doing, what they were giving themselves to and what we can learn from that for us today. So if this is your first time with us, I definitely recommend going back the last few episodes and listening to our Kingdom Culture series. That's the Kingdom Culture series and get a taste of what we've been thinking about and what we've been talking about recently. In a few moments, Paul's going to be speaking to us about boldness and how the early church was bold and how that became a standout characteristic for the early apostles and the early disciples of Jesus in the book of Acts. Before we jump into that, I just want to quickly remind you about our baptism service on the 17th of September. That's 17th of September. We are going to have a baptism service here in Weymouth. Maybe you've been thinking about this. Maybe you're on the fence. Perhaps you are a parent who has a child who might be interested in getting baptized soon. Whatever your circumstance might be, if you need to speak to somebody about it, we are here to have that conversation with you. So get in touch with us, send us a direct message on our social media pages, or you can email us at connect at prayerhouse.uk. That's connect at prayerhouse.uk and we'll get the ball rolling for you and you can explore the idea of getting baptized. And we get baptized. Why do we believe in baptism? It's because we do it in obedience to the scriptures and we follow the example that Jesus himself set for us. So Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist. It was a full immersion baptism and that's what we believe in. And that's what we encourage everybody to be doing as well. So if you are interested in that, if you have a few questions about it and you'd like to explore getting baptized on the 17th of September, this is your moment and we're here to help you. So get in touch with us. Why don't we just spend a moment in prayer before we hear from Paul. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to connect online we ask, Father, that every single one of us would find this beneficial, will find this useful, and will find this a blessing. Lord, help us to learn something new today. Help us to grow in you and help us, Lord, above all, to absorb that kingdom culture, the culture of heaven and the culture of your kingdom into our hearts and into our lives. And may this time together influence that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're, I can't really budge very far from these few chapters of Acts because they're so exciting and there so, seem to be so much going on in them that is instructive for us. So I'd love it if you could just dive in with me to chapter 4. And this is still the aftermath of this miracle where Peter and John have been going to the temple and they've healed the lame guy who'd been outside the temple begging. We used to sing a song in Sunday school, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. Did you do that one? No. That's it. 
Anyway, so that one. <coughs> and it's caused a bit of a stir, and Peter and John are brought before the council and the rulers and the elders and the scribes and all the officials. So what's happened has rattled some cages around the civic community and the religious community. And verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. <laughs> and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Let me just pause there for a second. Right, when they saw the boldness of who? Peter and John. What had Peter done a few weeks before? Denied Jesus. Why did he deny Jesus? Fear. He was afraid. He was intimidated. Unlike Peter, really, because he comes across as quite brave, doesn't he? But in the actual heat of the moment, when he sees his champion and his captain being taken away by this lynch mob, he's, his heart's turned to water. He's got nothing left to fight with. He's been told to put his sword away. That's not going to work. And he's like, man, I'm done. I've got, I've got nothing. Anyway, so this is Peter. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, so something has happened to Peter and John that has transformed them from being terrified, intimidating guys, just ordinary country people, aren't they, really? And they, re they perceived, the crowd perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished, and they recognized that then they had been with Jesus. Now, when Peter was kind of in the shadows at the trial, one of the people said to him, you're one of his disciples. I recognize you because you have got a Galilean accent. So they recognized him as being from the location where Jesus' disciples were from by his accent. But now they're looking at him and they're not recognizing him by his accent. They're recognizing him by the sheer boldness and kind of, yeah, I mean, this guy has caused a massive, massive impact in the city of Jerusalem and he's just an ordinary, uneducated guy. And I think that gives us a lot of hope, doesn't it? Those of us who didn't, like, pay enough attention at school and kind of, yeah, didn't do our homework properly and stuff. And they, but they recognized that these guys had been with Jesus. And so they were no longer just speaking with the local accent, but they looked like Jesus. So their whole behavior and presence was like Jesus, and they could see it. So they were actually disciples who had now come from being just the guy being taught to being like the master. So they were now just like Jesus, and they recognized, people could see that in them. So verse 14, it says, But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they couldn't come up with a decent argument to poo-poo what God had done. Don't you love that? 
But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that, for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. So they're saying there's nothing we can do. We can't dismiss what's happened because everybody can see it. It's evident to everybody. Don't you love that? And I love the way a miracle looks so obvious when it's happened, doesn't it? It's like, well, yeah, of course. But before it happened, it's completely impossible. That's why we call it a miracle. So the other side of the miracle, before it happened, Peter and John are just going to the temple to pray. And then their statement, I think, that we've read already, which is in chapter 3, was this, verse 16. He says, And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. So the, he's kind of talking about three different ways faith works. He says his name just has got authority by itself. The name of Jesus just by itself has got authority. But then by faith in his name, I see that's kind of we can not only say, yeah, the name of Jesus, but we can actually, we're, we have faith in his name, don't we? We put our faith in the name of Jesus. And... The faith that is through Jesus, so the faith that is coming from Jesus to us, it's like a gift of faith. He says, this is what's happened. This faith is what's made this man well. And I, I was just thinking this morning that faith is the evidence of a miracle before you can see it with your eyes. Shall I say that again? Faith is the evidence of a miracle before you see it with your eyes. So somebody says to you, it's hopeless, this is incurable, but something inside of you says, I don't know, actually. I've got faith beginning to grow in my heart that this is something God's going to intervene in. This is a situation that God's going to intervene in. So Peter and John are going up to the guy who... Hundreds and thousands of prayerful people would have passed year after year after year. The difference this time is they look at him and they have got faith in their hearts for a miracle. So in a sense, the faith is like God saying to us, the miracle has already happened. I've already healed this person. Here's the faith, boom. Here's the kind of down payment into your own heart. And then they step out and they speak those words in faith, in an atmosphere of faith, through the faith of Jesus, through the faith in Jesus, and boom, it's happened. So it's like the, the faith is the evidence of the miracle before it happens. So in Hebrews it says, faith is the evidence of things hoped for, or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So it's like before we see it, we receive it. You might want to just think about that a bit because I think it's helpful for us to just reflect a bit on the process of what brings about a miracle. 
because it's very easy, like Forty said, to adopt a kind of cloak of passivity where we stop really believing for miracles and we stop engaging with that possibility of the supernatural and we just accept the bad news as bad news, give up and kind of put the telly on. <clears throat> Try and think about something else. So where, where did we get up to? So they, these people can't say anything against it because for that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. Verse 17, but in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. <laughs> When they'd further threatened them, like, yeah, we're going to pull all your toenails out and burn your house and everything else. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Isn't that amazing? But I just want to pick out this little verse here, verse 17. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Can you see what's happening? So there is this culture, this ingredient and culture among the disciples that they can't stop talking about the things God is doing. So they're very, very bold. There is a culture of boldness among the disciples. And, and the, the authorities know that the only way to stop this spreading is to stop them talking about it. I think the devil's pretty good at that. I think he's done a pretty good job of getting the British church to stop talking about Jesus to stop talking about supernatural things, to stop talking about anything that's controversial, and just go for a kind of little slice of Christian kind of ethics that are more or less tolerable to the outside world. And of course, what's happened is precisely what the chief priests and scribes and the authorities wanted to happen, is it hasn't spread. So when did you last see someone come into faith in Jesus? It was probably a little while ago. Because there isn't any boldness around in the church, is there? There isn't any, a lot of, if you look at, seriously, I'm mean, just being objective, not being critical. If you look at the church in Weymouth and Portland, you couldn't really say they are a very bold, we are a very bold church, could you? I don't think so. I mean, I may be just seeing it through jaded eyes. But I think, I remember being in Sheffield when I, would, when I was uh, in my first or second year at college. And the pastor asked me to lead an evangelism team in the city center. 
So every Saturday, I used to take a bunch of young people and not so young people into the city centre of Sheffield, and we would just preach the gospel and do what I hated, because they had a... Uh, I was not... I'm Sorry, I'm a little... Anyway, they had this dance group in the church with ribbons and stuff, and they would like to do that in the city centre. Well, I would kind of had to, if I was going to do one, I had to have the other with it sort of thing. So we had the dancers and stuff, and I'd bring my guitar, and we'd play some worship and pray for people and preach and do whatever we could get away with. And actually, do you know what? I don't find any great inclination to do that right now. It's interesting, isn't it? I'm the same person. Jesus is the same Jesus. I'm not saying we should do the ribbons necessarily. <laughs> Although I think Louis would be great. <laughs> oh, man. But it's interesting how the, the kind of boldness and that kind of courage. They said to me one day, we want you to start a home group in this block of flats. I don't know where I got these jobs, but anyway, so... Nobody, we didn't know anyone from this block of flats, so we started door knocking and we just kept a note of every person who seemed mildly warmer than the other ones, prayed for them. And one of the doors we knocked on was one of the cleaners in the college. And we led her to the Lord, which was really cool. And then another couple joined and we had this little small group meeting in these flats by the time I left, which was kind of fun. But... I think there was an expectation in me that God wanted to move, and it was just really down to some people being willing to kind of initiate some things. Like, he wants to start a fire, but maybe strike a few matches just to help kind of thing. So I had that kind of idea. And I think what's, what's quite sad about church in lots of ways is that we get so swallowed up in pastoral work and kind of trying to make everybody happy and keep take, take care of things, that we lose that lovely, fresh boldness and brightness about just sharing the gospel and the good news. And it's not saying that pastoral work isn't important, because it really is. And if people come to a church that's full of misery and, you know, whatever, what if you haven't got any product, have you? So it's kind of like both, but I think we've swung perhaps in one direction a bit heavily. <clears throat> anyway, so these guys, they, the, the chief priests and scribes knew that to stop the spread of this, they had to tell, they had to somehow intimidate the apostles to not speak anymore. So they called them together, charged them not to speak or teach at all. Peter and John say, their beautiful statement, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Now, part of what I think is an opportunity, because you could say, well, we haven't got any really exciting news to share. Well, I have told quite a few people about the guy who was brain dead, because to me, that is something exciting to share about. Has anyone else told anybody about that besides me? Just one. Interesting, isn't it, too? See, I think that's our little victory. I think that's currency in sharing the gospel because people want to see some evidence of God moving. 
we are we are experiencing these things together, but we've become passive about it. See, if 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 that was on the front page of the Echo, with this guy telling his story, it would be it would be worth putting on the front page, wouldn't it? Because people who are brain dead don't typically come back to life and start running again. And it went, he had no brain deficit, whatever. It was fully there. All his memories from before were intact. And yet they had been literally on the point of turning the machines off and harvesting his organs. It's just incredible. But because we've taken on this passive, unbold thing in our heads, we don't tell anybody. We go, oh, yeah, that's really good. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I think. I don't think I'm... I'm trying not to mock anybody because I, I'm guilty of the same. We're all swimming in the same water, aren't we, to some extent? But these guys, they are saying, you cannot stop us. There's no way you're going to close us down. Intimidate us as much as you like. But we're not going to stop. Now, there's a guy in America called Sean Foyt. And some of you might have seen him on Instagram. And he's really loud, really outspoken. He's from Bethel and Jesus culture and all that lot originally. During lockdown, he was like, I'm not being locked down. I'm being, I'm coming out. And so he got his guitar and did these big worship gatherings. They even made a movie about him, which was called Super Spreader, because they wanted to accuse him of spreading COVID. Actually, what he was doing was spreading the gospel. I, I think, I, when, when I was watching these things, I was thinking, I am so provoked by this, because part of me wanted to say, oh, shut up, Sean Foyt, just behave and do what everyone else is trying to do and keep the world safe. <clears throat> I think... History will judge, won't it, whether he's been uh, more effective at spreading the gospel than he has in spreading COVID. I don't think there's much evidence that he spread much COVID, to be honest. But yeah, I think he did catch it once, however, which is reassuring because I caught it as well. And I don't want to be... <laughs> anyway. But can you, do you see what I'm saying? We find that offensive because he's so outspoken and we think, oh, the Americans and the churches and the Canadian pastor who got put in prison for keeping his church open during COVID, during lockdown. And you kind of think, well, we just closed and went all quiet and safe. I mean, to be fair, we wouldn't have been able to hire the school anyway. So let's come up with some good excuses to make us feel better. Anyway, but the point is, the point is this. How bold really is the church? And how much is boldness part of the culture of the prayer house? And are we going to buck the trend of the absence of boldness in the church in this country and become bold? And if we are, how is it going to happen? Well, look at this. <laughs> so you see, they kept praising God for what had happened they were all praising God. So they, had, they knew exactly what had caused the miracle. They were in this place of absolute gratitude for it. And they were like flying high. And then verse 23, when they were released, they went to their friends 
and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. This is Peter, who had been terrified for his life. Now it seems he finds it almost amusing. I don't know. I may be misreading it. I think he's having a little chuckle. Listen to what they said, guys. They're going to go ever. Verse 24, and when they heard it, this was their response, they lifted up their voices together to God. Listen to this prayer. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, interestingly enough, if anyone wants to get into the origins of Scripture, God spoke through the mouth of David by the Holy Spirit. Just one to think about. So who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why do the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against what? Against the Lord. And against who? His anointed one. The world, the rulers of this world are actually diametrically opposed to God and Jesus, his anointed one. And you and me as his Christed ones, they are opposed to us. So we should not be surprised when we get some opposition and some hostility. Verse 27, for truly in this city there were gathered together against who? Against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all, all, and again, all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Listen to this, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with Absolutely. Isn't it wonderful? So what do they do? They've got all these threats raining down upon them from the people who've got the power to carry them out. This is not, these are not empty threats. They've just crucified Jesus. These are not empty threats. They know exactly that the chief priests and Herod and everybody else are all in it together to oppose Jesus. And now they're appealing to the highest authority, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Where are we? Who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We are appealing to you. Consider their threats and now enable us to speak your word with boldness. Wow. I can see I've got you. Like maybe 1%. So why don't we stand on our feet and we're going to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit and ask him to give us some boldness. Because to be fair, I don't think we're going to see the culture of the kingdom come 
in our lifetimes without it. My own experience is that all right? Um, the, the boldness doesn't come through boldness, it comes through a revelation of who He is and His love for us. Mm -hmm. Out of that comes this boldness. And I've been speaking to people who I would never normally do that with, but it's not even a boldness that comes, it's like I've got to speak to this person. Yeah. Same thing, isn't it? It's the love that bubbles yeah. out, it's through Him. Yeah. So, totally yeah. what you're saying, yeah. yeah. It's precisely that. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. And that's so what they're saying is, God, you can consider their threats. I'm coming back to you. Peter's boldness came from Pentecost, didn't it? Initially. Then they were emboldened by the miracle a bit more. And, but they're not happy with that level of boldness. They're saying, God, give us boldness, because now they're going to come after our children and our homes, and they're literally going to decimate us, which they did, didn't they? It really happened. But the boldness which came into these guys when the place was shaken, it was a work of the Holy Spirit. And we've got history to show the evidence of the boldness of the apostles and the early church. And we're there descendants but I do believe that the devil wants to steal our confidence rob us of every victory every time we hear of a victory to show us a failure and there are plenty of failures aren't there but Jesus now we welcome you in this place why don't we just lift our hands to him and to invite the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm not going to try and manufacture anything because I know that, the, as Ryan was saying, the real evidence of that boldness will be you can't help it. It's like it's not like I'm trying to remember what was that miracle Paul was trying to make us think about on Sunday. It's more like, whoa, Jesus, I can't keep this in. So Holy Spirit in this place, will you just come and move in our hearts, Lord. God. Lord, we probably don't have quite as real a threat as the apostles had at, at that time against us. What we tend to get more than anything is just that kind of war of attrition where we're, we're kind of ground down by disappointment and defeat and sad stories and this and that and the other. And Lord, we come to you. We're just human beings, Lord, but you've filled us with your spirit. So fill us again, beautiful spirit of God. Just lift your hands to him. And let him do the work. Yeah. sense there are plenty of us in here who can look back to a time when we did 
and we, where we did move with boldness and courage and we, we're not like proud of where we're at right now but it's like we're kind of here and, and this is where we are but I believe God's saying if you can see it you can have it if you've had something woken up in your heart this morning you can have it He's going to give you opportunities to just step out in baby steps. And as you step out bravely, at first it might not feel like boldness. It might just feel like nervous braveness. You'll find he's with you. And he's beginning to establish you. some here who used to pray for sick people a lot and it's got discouraging because of other things going on and you just have lost that edge but again it's like repent and do the things you did at first it's that simple step Jesus forgive me Jesus reawaken me in these things Jesus, let, let it be seen that I'm one of your disciples because I look like you. Don't just talk like you. Holy Spirit, more on us, more on us today. Just come. I believe just as well, some have got really weary of things like the latest kind of tragic news from Soul Survivor and that kind of thing. And it just has been another thing that's knocked away at your confidence. And you find yourself saying like, Lord, where are the good guys? And are there any real genuine people? say to us I'm calling you I'm calling you and I want you to look at me and don't look at the failure of somebody else and think well that's me done for then but the Lord is saying look at me I'm calling you look at me Come to me, 
all who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. And take my yoke upon you. And learn of me. Jesus. for us to do is if we could um, just pray that prayer together. I don't know if you can. Sorry. It's gone from, if you've got a Bible, I can, I can say it and you can repeat it if you like. I'm going to skip out the, the um, preach in the middle. <laughs> so, Sovereign Lord, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth, who made the heaven and the earth, and the sea and everything in them, and the sea now, Lord, now, Lord, look upon their threats, look upon their threats and grant to, your servants grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Continue to speak your word in all boldness. While you stretch out your hand, while you stretch out your hand to heal. To heal. And signs and wonders are performed. And signs and wonders are performed. Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Let's do it again. Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. Who made the heaven and the earth. Who made the heaven and the earth. And the sea and everything in them. And the sea and everything in them. Now Lord. Now Lord. Look upon their threats. Look upon their threats. And grant to your servants. Grant to your to continue to speak your word continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand while you stretch out your hand to heal to heal and signs and wonders and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus are performed through your name of the holy servant Jesus amen amen Lord Jesus, we we come to you today and we just say, God, whatever threats we have coming at us, even the threats of looking stupid and being disappointed and being cut off from people and being outlawed and outed for being bigots or whatever else we might be called, these are fairly real threats to us, Lord. But we thank you that your spirit is doing a work in us today and equipping us. And Lord, I ask that exactly what Ryan said would happen, that such a revelation of your love would fill us, that it would be impossible to keep us quiet. It would be like sticking sellotape over a yeah, leaking water main. <laughs> in Jesus' name. Lord, let the Spirit of God well up inside us, yeah. irrepressible, yeah. and let us be your witnesses yes, with Lord. great boldness. Jesus, come on. Michael. Yeah. We're all thinking, how do I start? 
or maybe many of us are. When Pat and I had been to a Christian retreat about two weeks ago um, up in Northampton, and we were driving home, we stopped at a motorway service station, and went, I went into W.H. Smith to buy something and went to the counter to pray, to pay. <laughs> hey. I went to pay. I didn't expect to pray. But there's a lady at the counter, but she wasn't facing me. She was looking to her right to a lady inside a little storeroom. I couldn't even see the lady. And they were just chatting away, and this, this lady said, Oh, she said, I've had a really long day. My back's killing me, she said. And then she turned towards me to pay. And I just sensed a nudge from the Lord. Tell her I can heal backs. So I thought, Lord. So I just said it to her. I said, you know, Jesus can heal backs. And she sort of looked at me and I said, can I pray for you? She said, oh, when I said Jesus, she said, oh, she said, I walked away from him a long time ago. So I said to her, you can come back. Can I pray for you? So she said, oh, all right then. So I just simply prayed, Jesus, something like Jesus, in your mighty name, I speak healing to Amanda's back. She had a little name badge. I said, Please, will you just set her free? And she looked at me and said, I've never been prayed for like that before. <laughs> I said, he loves you. You can come back to him. I don't know anything about her back, whether anything happened. But I just sense that God will give us opportunities out of the blue like come that. Come on. And he says, just do them, take them. I was surprised that I was able to do that. But but actually, it, it was he who's able to do it. And he's calling each one of us just to be ready. And if he does give you that prompting, he will give you the words to say. And he will do what only he can do. Come on. So I suggest that we're going to have some testimonies next Sunday. Come on of the surprising things Jesus does with us because we took courage. We're bold enough to say, Jesus, Jesus can do this. Come on. What an awesome word and what an awesome time. We hope that this has been a blessing to you. We would love to hear your stories. We'd love to hear your testimonies. So if you are a part of the prayer house and you join us on a Sunday morning, do come and share that with us. Or if you don't, then you can still share your testimonies and your exciting stories to us by emailing connect at prayerhouse.uk. That's connect at prayerhouse.uk. And we'd love to hear those stories about how God is helping you move in boldness. If you have been blessed by this time and you'd like to support the work of the Prayer House and Prayer House Online, you can do that by giving online. You can go to prayerhouse.uk forward slash give. That's prayerhouse.uk forward slash give. 
This is a great way to honor God with our finances and also bless the work of the church. Father, we thank you for your provision. We thank you that you are the ultimate source of income. You are our provider and we give you glory and we give you praise and we give you all the honor in Jesus name. Amen. Hey, it's been such a joy to be spending time with you here online. Send us a message, send us that email. We'd love to hear from you. Take care and God bless.